And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. That was not genuine. All right, so anyway, uh, we're glad you're here, and uh, we've been working through uh, the book of Titus, and uh, today's actually the last uh, Sunday that we're going to talk about the book of Titus, that we're studying the book of Titus, and the sermon series has been unqualified, and uh, we are all unqualified to do uh, the work of the gospel. We're all unqualified to be saved and good Christians, but with God's good grace, He loves us, accepts us, and changes us from the inside out. Amen? Amen. And so we've been talking about this, and Titus, as you may or may not know, was sent to the island of Crete to to fix the house churches that had been planted there. The leaders that were overseeing these churches were had become corrupt and not making good choices and living like the rest of the world instead of living like followers of Jesus Christ. And so Titus was sent uh, to fix this problem. And so this morning I want to pick up in the last few verses of Titus, uh, chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. I'm going to read them this morning. They'll be on the screen. For you, As soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus, I said that wrong, let's just go with it, to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis because I have decided to winter there and do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way and see that they have everything they need. Our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. Everyone with me sends you greetings. Greet those who love us in the faith, and grace be with you all. Amen? Amen. So there's the last little bit of the book of Titus. And I hope you've been enjoying studying it. And here's the cool thing about the book of Titus. It's always in your Bible. I know. It's always in your Bible. So when you go home and you're like, man, I, I really like that one book, Titus, Titus. Ah, man, I wish we were going through that at church again. Good news. It's in here. And so at any point you want to go back and review and look at some of these things, it's in here. And I would absolutely encourage you to do so. In these last few uh, verses of the book of Titus, uh, Paul is talking and he lets Titus know that he should be ready to join Paul. He says in these verses, he's like, I'm going to send Artemis or I'm going to send this other guy to you and uh, I'm going to send somebody to you. And when they get there, uh, I want you to go ahead and come join me. And uh, this idea that, listen, Titus, you have some work that needs to finish. You have some work that needs to be accomplished. So you need to stay there and do the work until it's accomplished or until I send someone else uh, to relieve you of your task. And uh, you think of it like this. We dodged the bullet today. No snow today. How awesome is that? Huh? Some of you are like, I want snow. I'm cool, totally cool with snow, just not on Sunday mornings, okay? I'm just going to be honest with you right now. No Sunday morning snow. Everybody pray with me. All right. So... Uh, we, uh, you know, say you're out moving snow and you've got this big task ahead of you to move all of this snow and you go and you get it halfway done and then you just decide to quit. Now, is that snow going to move itself? Not in Iowa, right? It stays cold for a long time. So that snow will sit there. And so it's a similar type of thing. He's saying, hey, stay there and finish the job. What do we do? We snow until the, the, the we shovel until the snow's all gone, right? And he's saying, stay there and finish or until a friend comes and plows out your driveway. Yeah. Right? So he's saying, that's what Paul is essentially saying to Titus. He's saying, keep working at the churches. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay there until I send you help or until a task is complete. And I think that's true of us today. Maybe there's someone that you're talking with. Maybe there's someone that you've been inviting to church. Maybe there's someone at work that you've been just sharing the love of Jesus Christ with because they've been having a rough time. And you say, man, this is getting old. And we just keep going through the same things over and over and over again. Listen, don't stop until the work is done. 
Don't stop until someone else shows up and says, hey, my turn now, right? It's a, if there's someone on your heart, if there's someone you've been talking to, someone you've been praying for, you keep at it. You don't leave that work unfinished, amen? And so it's the same thing. He's saying, hey, you're not allowed to quit until I send someone or until the work is done. He also says, he asked Paul, Paul asked Titus this. He said, I also want you to take care of Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos. You probably haven't heard of Zenos, but Apollos, he's all over in the New Testament. And he was one of Paul's, he, he preached the gospel. He's one of Paul's companions. He traveled all over the place. And, and so Paul's telling Titus, he says, hey, I want you to take care of Zenos and Apollos and all that they are doing and all that they're sent to do. Now you have to think, Titus had a pretty big task. I don't have time to get into all of this this morning, but the island of Crete, you know, the, the people that were there were not well known. They weren't well liked. They had a reputation for being liars and deceivers and, and they, were just, they were just not the nicest people to be around. And so here's Titus, who's, who's trying to teach them how to live a faith that looks like Jesus Christ. And, and it's a lot of work. It's hard work. And now he's saying, not only do I want you to do that, but I also want you to make sure you take care of Zenos and make sure you take care of Apollos. I want you to make sure that you open doors for them, and that you take them places, and that you help them with all that they need, and, and that whatever it is that they're needing on their journey, that you supply it, that you help them out, that you be there for them. And I think this is a wonderful example of the fact that life is better together, that life happens in community, that you and I are not meant to live alone or in isolation, but that we are stronger and better with brothers and sisters, with friends to wrap our arms around when times are hard and when times are good to celebrate and rejoice with. And so he's saying, listen, there's some people that are coming through Crete and I want you to be there for them. And here's the thing, there's fellow brothers and sisters, they may go to this church, they may not go to this church, but they're still brothers and sisters in Christ, and you and I are called to love them and accept them and to be there for them, to help them as they're traveling. Whatever God has for them and whatever they're moving towards, that we're there to encourage and uplift and strengthen and support one another. Because I don't know about you, but I like to be encouraged. I like to be strengthened. I like to be supported. My wife says that my love language is words of affirmation. I like to be encouraged. I like to be supported. I don't know if it's true or not, but I think it probably is. She's, she's pretty smart. Encourage one another. Support one another. And then he says this. I like this. Our people, who, who is that? Uh, Christians. Those who believe in Jesus Christ. Look at this. Must learn. In verse 14, he says, Must learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. So you and I, Christians, those of us who follow Jesus Christ and love Jesus Christ and have a relationship with him and we've decided that we're going to live our lives for him, it says we need to learn. Everybody say learn. learn. Everybody say learn. learn. So we need to learn to maintain good works. Well, why would we do that? So that we can provide for urgent needs and live productive lives. How many of you want to supply and take care of urgent needs that you see in the community or you see in your friends' lives? Me too. How, man, way better than first service. They're like, eh. How about this? How many of you want to live a productive or fruitful life? All right? Good stuff. So here's how we do it. First Timothy uh, chapter 6, verses 17 through 19 says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in who? God, 
who richly, check this out, who richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. And by doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. All right, so let's talk about this idea of meeting urgent needs. So we have at the very beginning of this scripture, teach those who are rich. All right, so teach those who are rich. And it says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money because money is so unreliable. All right, so let's talk real quick about who the rich are. All right, I have a few little things I want to show you on the screen. The first one is this. It's right here, I think. Okay, let me read it because I don't have it. Nope, that's not it. That's a scripture. That's okay. So here's the thing. If your net worth is $93,170, okay? So your net worth is anything you own minus anything you owe. All right, all of, your, all of your assets minus all of your liabilities. If your net worth is $93,170, you are richer, check this out, than 90% of the world. Okay? You're like, I don't know, Josh, it's too much math. <laughs> I'm talking net worth, and I got to do all, okay, that's too much. Okay, here's another one for you. Check this next slide out. If your income is at least $10 a day, $3,650 a year, you are richer than 80% of the world. That one sunk in a little bit better because there wasn't as much math involved. <laughs> income. If your income is at least, if it's 3650 you're saying, Josh, my income is like 20 then you're probably more like richer than 85% of the world. Right. 85, 84, 86, somewhere in there. If your income is at least $10 a day, not an hour, not an hour, if your income is $10 per day, you are richer than 8 out of 10 people in the world. 6.78 billion people in the world, you're richer than 5.56 of them, billion of them. You are rich. Check this one out. If your income is at least $1,000 a year, you are richer than half of the world. If all that comes in is $1,000 a year, you are richer than half of the world. So let me tell you something in case you were wondering. You're rich. You and I are rich. This scripture says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. I don't know if you've noticed this about money, but it's unreliable. That it makes a good, it makes a good servant, it makes a good slave, it does not make a good master. Money is very unreliable, ups and downs. You watch the Dow, you watch the stock market, ups and downs, it's like a roller coaster. They've got this thing now called cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, and I can make thousands of dollars. In you can lose even more. Yeah. <laughs> Money is unreliable at best. It's unreliable. Put your trust in God. So you and I, we're rich. We are a blessed nation. We are a blessed people. I understand our lives aren't perfect, and there's still some things that we're ironing out and working on, but would you agree with me this morning that you're rich? We're rich this morning. And so we're supposed to use our money. I like this. We should trust God who richly gives us all we need. Tell them to use their money to do good. Always. Oh, man. 
This is in the Bible. Just reading it. <laughs> Always being ready to share yeah. with others. Yeah. We teach it to our kindergartners. Share. 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 And then we get money and we say, mine. We tell our kids to share because we bought them those toys. Those toys were given to them. But I earned this money. This money is mine. So this scripture tells us that we should always, I mean, that's a pretty strong word, always be ready to share with others. You say, well, Josh, like, okay, fine. But here's the thing. I need all my money, like every cent, every one of them. Like even the ones I find on the road, I need them all. Like I pick them up, they're in my pocket. I need them, it's mine. I need it all. I, the Bible says that if I don't take care of my family, then I'm worse than an unbeliever. So I need all those dollars to take care of my family. Well, let me read you that scripture. It's found in 1 Timothy 5.8. It says, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith and such people are worse than unbelievers. So this is right in the middle. I've heard people talk about this. It's like, well, I can't give, I can't do more because the Bible says I need to just take care of my family. Well, that's not really what the Bible says. Yes, take care of your family. This is actually smack dab in the middle of a section of Scripture. In, in, uh, let me get it right. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 3 through 16. We don't have time to get into all of this today. There's a study guide out front because we want you to dive into Scripture. We want you to take this stuff home and not just take my word for it or whoever's up here on any given Sunday. We want you to go home and dive into Scripture and throughout the week look at what the Bible is saying and that what we're saying is matching up with the Word of God. And so what you see in 1 Timothy 5, 3 through 16 is Paul is talking and he's saying, listen, we need to take, do a better job of taking care of the widows and the elderly. And so this scripture comes right in the middle of talking about how we should take a better care of the widows and the elderly. And so by saying this scripture, yes, this scripture is, is accurate and is right and we should believe it. Those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own house, have denied the true faith and such people are worse than unbelievers. But if we're going to quote this and just mean it for our family, just us few and inside our few walls and no more, then we're not really fulfilling the scripture because it says those who won't care for their relatives. And then it says, especially those in their home. So the relatives, the widows, the elderly. And not only that, if you read in the scripture, it's even talking about taking care of those in the community. Because I consider a lot of you, my family. And so if we're going to read this scripture and look at it that way, my encouragement to you would be to study this and look at it and see whether or not that line's up. And so we've been told to use our money to do good. And to always, everybody say always. Always be ready to share. Yes, this is my money, but I choose to share. Imagine if you see a need and the money's sitting in the account and you didn't spend it. 70% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. 70%. 7 out of 10. Don't have any extra sitting aside, but imagine if you could have a little extra sitting aside so when you saw an urgent need, you could just take that money and say, here you go. I'm going to tell you a story, and it's also a confession. The other day, there was a request from a missionary. Hey, last minute, we need plane tickets, blah, 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 this many dollars. Can you help? Can the church help? Yeah, totally. I don't even think I told my wife, and this is the confession part. <laughs> Did I tell you? No? 
Okay, so we're going to see how this goes. <laughs> You're welcome. We, uh, I just forgot, <laughs> which is the story of my life, but we had some money sitting in our PayPal account, and I, I sent over $100. Cool with that? All right, too late now. <laughs> and we sent over some, you know, that. But the money was just sitting there to the point where I, f I forget it's there. And I was, normally my wife and I, honestly, we talk about this thing, but I, I've, I've, I forgot. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I'm pretty sure after I explained it to her after this service and apologize and buy her flowers and candy, that <laughs> when I explained to her what was going on, she'd be like, oh yeah, totally cool. Let's hug it out, right? And everything will be just wonderful. But, you know, it's nice to imagine if there was that money just sitting there and you could just help those in need. By the way, don't do that very odd. Just try your best to talk about things and not forget. But what a blessing that is to be able to help others in need. Amen? And then the scripture says we should also be rich in good works. Everybody say good works. All right, so good works. And I got to say, you guys as a church, as a whole, we are, you guys are amazing. You guys are rich in good works. That Feed My Starving Children coming up on Saturday, you guys, the first time we announced that we had over 50, 60 people sign up to help. That was amazing. And we only have like 52 slots available. And so you are a church that is rich in good works. We do Meals on Wheels. We need 40 slots. Every single week we do Meals on Wheels, which is about every six weeks. We need 40 slots, whether it be 40 people or 20 people doing a couple or however it pans out. Every single time we do Meals on Wheels, you guys come through and are helpful and you make sure all those spots are filled. The community manna meal that we do once a year, you guys are always there. The sign up fills up before I even get out there to sign up. It's already full and I can't go, right? I mean, that's, it's poor me, but you guys are awesome. The giving tree next week, the giving tree, we're going to have, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 names on a tree, not names, but just numbers. And you go and buy gifts and those numbers represent real people that are given gifts, not from new covenant. No one even knows. We give them to an organization and that organization takes it to a family that's not even going to be able to have the money to buy gifts this year for their kids. Isn't that cool? It's not about us. It's about wanting to be a help. It's about wanting to be rich in good works. Amen. So why would we do this? What's, what's the point of helping out and giving in urgent needs? And what's the point of being generous and being rich in good works? Well, it says in the scripture that when we're generous with our money and, we're, and good works, when we're generous with our money and when we do good works, we store up treasures for eternity. We store up treasures for eternity, an everlasting life, a life that money can't buy. It can't buy you love and it can't buy you eternal life. Money can't buy you any of those things. <laughs> but we invest in kingdom work and we lay up treasures in heaven. So we should use our money to meet urgent needs and also to be rich. We should be rich in doing good works and this leads to productive lives. And you all said you wanted a productive life. So let's read 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11. It says, In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those, check this out, who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted, or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard. Everybody say work hard. Work hard, work hard to prove that you, are, that you really are among those God has called and chosen. 
Do these things and you will never fall away. And then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he says to work hard to do these things because they lead to fruitful or productive lives. So let's talk about them real quick. The first one, he says, faith. Add to your faith. What is faith? Well, faith is the conviction that God exists and that he is the creator and ruler of all things and is the provider of eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. Do you guys believe that this morning? Do you have that faith, that belief that God is the creator of everything, that he is a provider of everything, and that he offers us salvation, eternal life, because through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. you believe that this morning? So he says, add to that belief, add to your faith, moral excellence. Moral excellence. Now this is virtue. Add to your faith, Virtue. What is virtue? It's modesty. It's purity. It's positivity in your speech and the things that you say and the way that you think and the things that you do. Virtue. Moral excellence. And then he says, add to those things knowledge. Now here's the thing. Knowledge just puffs us up. Puffs us up. That's what I was trying to say. But this knowledge, what he's saying here is understanding. That we would not only just read the Bible and, and learn all that we can. That's what you say, look at how smart I am and look at how big I'm getting and my head's getting and look at how awesome I am. Look at how wonderful I am. No, but that we learn more so that we can understand more. So that we can take the truths that we're learning, get them on the inside of our hearts so that we might not sin against God. So that we can learn these things and apply them to our lives so that our lives can be different, so that our lives can be changed. And so we take that knowledge and we begin to understand and apply it to our life. And then he says, add self-control. Self-control. Everybody loves self-control. I can tell. Everybody loves self-control. What's self-control? One who masters their own desires and passions. Thanksgiving, this last week. How much self-control did you have? (laughs) By Thursday night, I don't remember the last, I mean, my gut was hurting. I did not eat much Friday and Saturday. And I said, Josh, what is your problem? Apparently, I was passionate about food. But self-control, I didn't feel like I ate too much, but my gut told me another story. And it just hurt. Alicia had to drive home, and I'm just, she's like, am I going to need to pull over? And I'm like, I don't know. It just came on me. I hadn't eaten in hours, and all of a sudden, I was just like, Ugh. anybody else know what I'm talking about? Self-control, bad, Josh, very bad. Right? Self-control, one who masters their own desires and passions and not letting your desires and passions own you, right? Patience, patient endurance. This is patiently, calmly, constantly persevering, enduring. Life gets hard. Life gets difficult. Keep on moving. I know we want to get to the end and we want to get there super fast, but it takes time. And add to that godliness, respect and reverence and worship toward God. Add to that brotherly affection. This is brotherly love through a common, through a shared spiritual life. You and I in here, we're brothers and sisters. We're a family. We can have brotherly love because we have a common, shared spiritual life. We all love Jesus Christ. And this one says love for everyone. Add on top of that love for everyone. Unconditional, agape love towards everybody. Everybody say everybody. Everybody. And if we do these things, I like this. 
Do these things and you will never, everybody say never. never. Do these things and you will never fall away. So how do you stay close in the faith? How do you stay close in your relationship with Jesus Christ? How do you stay close to others? How do you know that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing? You do these things and you will never fall away. And so we live productive lives. And so like verse 14 said, our people, you and I, Christians, must devote, learn to devote themselves to doing what is good in order to provide for urgent needs and not live unproductive lives. How many of you want to meet urgent needs and live productive lives this morning? Not just today, but tomorrow and the next week. How many of you want to grow and increase in your faith and moral excellence and knowledge and self-control and patient endurance and godliness and brotherly affection and love? Anybody? Do I have any takers? Do you want to grow in that? Good. Grow in that and you'll never, ever fall away. Amen? For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515 955-6222.